Gerard Butler Month continues. We discuss the ugly truth. And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. We're all back together again, like hey. the, like the Muppets, the original Peaches. Hey, hey guys. Hey, hey Stuart. I don't know if you guys knew this. <laughs> I see you there. Hey, hey guys. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> yeah. You too. Yeah. Only um, other people in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys. Um, I. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I'm turning. I'm turning 30 next week. Whoa, 30 years of old? Yeah, 30 years of age. 30 years so, young. So, what do you think my range is of, like, like how girls far you, you can, can get or, like, how far you can throw roles you can play as an actor? Yeah, we'll we'll talk about girls I can get later. Let's talk about roles I can play. Okay, uh, you could be, like, the best think, friend. You could be, like, the dumb thug. I think no, 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 like, the range of like ages. Like, the jock who doesn't know how to do math. I would say uh, you could play like the anywhere, moose character? <laughs> yeah, I can anywhere see between... Moose. 29 and 38. Okay. That's, I, no, I think you that's go, a little rough. I think you can play easily from 35 to 55. No, I think I think if you, you could probably play a uh, do you think college I could student. Do you think I could play 13 are going you, on 30? Are you auditioning for a role? You could yeah. play a college student who had maybe like deliberately failed a couple of times. It, well, like that guy who was at the University of Wisconsin who had been in school for 13 years. Yeah, like that kind that of guy. guy. Sure. You don't think I could put like a baseball cap on backwards and you'd be like, I mean, you oh, Timmy, my, he's my high school brother. Sure, you could put, no. put a beanie on and we think you're 13. If, yeah, if and I'll be it, listening to like headphones and playing with my swatch. Maybe if you hold like a giant lollipop. Oh, <laughs> that's have, what like, teenagers do, wig. right? <laughs> yeah, it's very big among the teens now. I do have to go with Elliot on this and ask why you care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's you know, it's a it's a milestone, right? It's a milestone in a young man's life. Mm-hmm. Well, I was a little glum when it happened to me. It's like the first nocturnal omission. Yeah, it's one of those things you remember for the rest of your days. <laughs> you know, what well, was you really it? shouldn't. I mean, you you remember Wait, the what? aftermath. You don't remember the actual event. Yeah, actually, no. Know, I mean, I had it on video. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for paranormal activities. <laughs> <laughs> Be a very different type of movie if they were, they set up looking for a ghost and it just turns out he's coming in, in his sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, I, I mean it wouldn't would... be that like noticeable either. I mean I might wiggle around a little bit. But maybe it's not if... like it like sprays out like a fire hose. Maybe or something. if Zalman King had produced Paranormal Activity, that's how what Paranormal Emissions. Wait, is that what you're saying? <laughs> wait, Zal- wait, there would be like more special effects, like. Or it would just be more sexual in just nature. More, just more sexual Oh, that nature. makes more sense. Hey, I mean, Zalman did. King would have access to greater special effects and production resources. Than yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of funding out yeah. there. Stuart, did you know that a mutual friend of ours, his father, uh, directed some of the Red Shoe Diaries? Uh, I didn't know that. That yeah. that's pretty hot. Yeah, it's, it sounds like we're really invested in the film that we saw tonight. <laughs> the Red oh. Shoe Diaries. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, the movie version of the Red Shoe Diaries. Mm-hmm. No, we saw it tonight. Well, they do. They have those compilations of episodes that they sell uh-huh. on tape. Yeah. And they just cut out the ending credits, so you, you think that it's a movie. You cut out David Duchovny. Yeah, it's called a mashup. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> is it? Yeah, it's a mashup. <laughs> it's the Red Shoe Diaries uh, visuals, but the audio is actually uh, Milkshake Sh- by Kellis. <laughs> sure. So, um, Kellis? Yeah, I think Ke- Kellis, isn't that it? I don't know who did that song. Yeah. It sounds like an ancient I'll Scottish to, I'll, warrior. I'll, I'll have to check my iPod. You're thinking of the Book of Kellis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Book of Kellis. That's right. Um, the movie we Book watched tonight fights Brand McMorn, if I remember. <laughs> All right, guys. Settle down. The film was The Ugly Truth. Now, it seems there are two kind of truths, ugly and beautiful. Uh-huh. Guess which one this movie was about. <laughs> well, there's also The Awful Truth, which this movie was not. Don't yeah. confuse this film with the classic Irene Dunn, Cary Grant screwball comedy. That's a very funny movie. Yeah. Also has a, uh, a hilarious dog in it who's well-known from the Thin Man movies. It's yep. not like this film. <laughs> this is the only time that this, Elliot yes. is not interested in talking about the Thin Man. This, you're right. This movie did not have in it the dog from the Thin Man movies, <laughs> who would be over 70 human years old, which would make him would be 500 dog years. <laughs> that would be a great movie. I do not like... You, just, <laughs> made, fast math, you just made me think about how the beloved Asta from the Thin Man movies has been dead for decades. <laughs> but think about if Asta was alive. Think about the great documentary we would have just watched on the world's oldest dog. <laughs> yeah. It was the be like a cyber dog. Uh-huh. But it's the same way that if you watch a silent movie and there's a little kid in it, it's like, oh, the kid's probably dead now. That's mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. Unless you hate kids like and me. And then it's like, oh, good. I'm glad that kid is dead. <sighs> Man. Like Mickey Rooney, right? That's No, he's still alive. Yeah, but he hated kids, right? Did he? He wished they were all dead. <laughs> I, I don't know. I read, that, I read that in a, in a Mad Magazine <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so getting back to the film, this film starred... Catherine Hygel and okay. Gerard Butler, and uh, it was a romantic comedy it, that was neither romantic nor funny. Really, it managed to okay, miss out on both. Let's address those you know two a lot points. about romance. I do know a lot about romance. Yeah, well, um, you're the Casanova of the group. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, what what would have made it romantic? Whoa, you just turned it right back around. And I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like, what am I you. looking for if I'm going to try and qualify how romantic well, it is? Well, should we, should we talk like, about what there this was, movie was there, about? There was or? intense sex in the movie. There was not intense sex in the movie. Uh, you took that description from the Wikipedia plot summary of the film. Are you claiming I didn't watch the movie? <laughs> no, I know you watched it. I, I was we right there next the to room. you. We were all watching it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I you spent more time on your iPhone than the other Certainly the by room. your standards, Stuart. That that sex was not intense. Okay. I have to believe. So unless your many stories are tall tales, <laughs> well, myths, if you will, <laughs> unless you're just a yarn spinner. Sure. Um, well, I'm not that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm not a yarn spinner. Let's not. Yeah. Well, there's intense sex in the movie. <laughs> Give me, hear me out, guys. Hear me out. Um, there's at least one intense makeout that might have led to intense sex, except you know there was problems. There is romantic complications. Well, there's a scene. and there was one. There was one dancing scene. And there's a scene of a, of it a was woman wearing just like the scene from *Romancing the Stone*. A scene where a woman wears vibrating underpants. Oh, don't is there, that. Was that romantic or more comedic, or is it? I mean, it was meant to be comedic, but it was neither. So I was being nice by calling but, it romantic. Okay, I was just putting it in the sex category. Okay. Is it possible for something to be both funny and romantic at the same time, Elliot? Yes. Give me what an about example. A funny movie like and the erotic. Man. Okay. Or you know, a or movie. A, it's possible for things to be funny let's and go erotic back. at the same a time. A movie that I've seen at all. 
I don't know what movies you haven't haven't how seen. About, how, about, how about the aforementioned Romancing the Stone? Well, how like, about Love movie, Actually? A movie like Annie Hall is funny and romantic at times, even though the characters don't end up together. Spoiler alert. Uh, how about the truth about cats and dogs? <laughs> if you think it's funny and romantic, then go ahead. <laughs> I'm just listing movies. You're draw- yeah, you're just drawing films What about from Time Bandits? <laughs> Waiting to exhale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about Silverado? Dead presidents. <laughs> um, so this film uh, it was 90 minutes long. It was 96 minutes I'm surprised long. you guys haven't summarized the movie yet. Well, we can do that. Yeah, Elliot, why don't you take it? Catherine Heigl is the director slash producer slash producer slash boss, I guess. Wait a minute, um, this is about slash fiction? No, do not listen. Nobody listening, think about slash fiction. We've had bad experiences with it. Yeah, well, can I just take a second to say we thought we <laughs> I was literally I was literally three words into my summary of the plot. <laughs> but continue, yes. We thought we could handle the slash fiction, but uh, the one out... piece of slash fiction that we got. It was like the ending of Itu Mama Tambian when once the good uh, pronunciation, dude. Once they have the the three way and the two young uh, men uh, have a sexual experience with one another. That's what happened. They could not be friends anymore. Spoiler alert. And uh, much in the same way, just reading a, a slash fiction piece uh, with the three of us, we couldn't be lovers anymore. Yeah, it was, right? it was yeah. awkward. Our sexual relationship had had to mm-hmm. end. Yeah, strictly business from now on, guys. Yeah, strictly ballroom from now on. <laughs> So anyway, back to the... <laughs> All right, back to the half a sentence that I had gotten to. Katherine uh, Heigl is the director of a morning television show in Sacramento, which apparently is doing poorly in the ratings. She is also a prude and a control freak. She mm-hmm. has trou- pr- trouble with men. So in an effort to spice up the show, they bring on local cable access star... Was his name Chase Manaway? Or- <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike Chadway. <laughs> Mike Chadway. That's what it is. Uh, Mike Chadway, Gerard Butler of Gamer, uh, <laughs> who, is, who is, you know, like a man show type... You know, here's what guys like girls with big tits. So, hey, get your boobs, bigger girls. But, yeah. you know. I think he actually uh, shadowed Adam Carolla for this role. This is, like, this is not a joke. He, uh... Oh, really? For yeah, real? He, that was his... his well, I'm uh, glad it research. wasn't a joke, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was shockingly no, not like, funny. Like anything else involving Adam Carolla, it was it not It was that. not Oh! Hey! Wait that, a... Carolla. Yeah, mm-hmm. you deflected my attack. Are you man enough to respond to Dan Zing? <laughs> So no, Gerard- never heard of us. So anyway, they bring Gerard Butler in. He immediately starts causing trouble. That's the fellow from the three hundred film, yes. Yes, the three hundred okay. film, yes. Sorry, did you say? Did you say meow? Yes. Meowy. So Gerard Butler, the ratings start going up as he brings his no nonsense style of romantic advice to the show. Catherine Heigl disapproves of it until she suddenly stops kind of because he starts giving her relationship advice and it works and it works so that she can attract colin the blandly handsome doctor who lives across uh the living kindle across the apartment building from her yeah. he's really in shape though he's in very good shape and they meet by he's her a doctor his right penis. and she's and he's a doctor and, and wears, she's seen his penis so she has kind of an idea of what she's in for yeah. yeah and he wears a tremendous uh series of fleece pullovers i was convinced that the end turn the turn the what well, I'm trying to think of, the, the plot twist oh, would be that he was gay that yeah. I was convinced because he was so fit and like well dressed you know mm-hmm. but it just shows how stereotyping exactly yeah, well, I'm, I'm a bigot I guess but uh, yeah, yeah. anyway long story short because the movie is terrible uh, 
they go through a, a bunch of hilarious situations. A lot of scenes of mumbling and uh, whispering. There's a lot of long talking scenes that are boring. Uh, there are a lot of comedy scenes that are also boring where Katherine Heigl screws things up. Like they have the 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 basic scenes you expect. Like there's the scene where he's get he she's got a mic in her ear so that he can Gerard Butler can feed lines to her mm-hmm. that she can use on Colin. Like Cyrano. But yeah. then he starts saying things to other situations and she repeats it and it's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Or like the scene and where And that ends in a everybody thinks she's giving him a hand job moment. Yeah. Uh, or the scene where she is at a work meeting, but there's something embarrassing that happens that causes her to orgasm at the table. You know, mm-hmm. it's all stupid. Well, anyway, the something that happens are the pair of vibrating panties that she of, intentionally puts on. That she intentionally puts on. She she's going on a date with Colin. He sends her a text message that says "running late." So she's like, "Man, how am I going to kill the minutes that I'm going to wait for him?" I know. I'll put on a pair of vibrating panties. Well, all right, but. That as long as we're, we're gonna get to him, in, that we're, she just got in the mail. Yeah, as long as we're gonna get. That in happens, this. dude. That happens sometimes. <laughs> that didn't, didn't, it's still stupid of her to say like, "Well, I can probably come and then put these away before he gets here." But so. as long as we're getting into this, um, since it probably is the comic set piece of the film, sure, Ugh, which is not saying much for the film. Uh, did not Gerard Butler give her these vibrating panties? <laughs> did not. Yes, Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Gerard Butler be the rogue. <laughs> Yep. That so, bestoweth the... Well, the, th- the difference in this case, though, is that Gerard Butler's character is significantly more of an active protagonist than Hamlet ever was. Oh, a very <laughs> astute point, Stuart. But the, what I'm, at this point in the film, uh, she and Gerard Butler are ostensibly still a bit at each other's throats, like it's a marriage of convenience. But like they're friends. Like, He's helping her out. Right, and, but, but she, you know, she's not... Totally on board. And, and She's what, like, okay, this what guy. woman? What woman can resist vibrating panties? Well, that's. The- I have not met this woman, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I just everything Bring her before me. Everything we've seen in this movie before this leads me to believe that Catherine Heigl's character, upon receiving vibrating panties from Gerard Butler, would uh, toss them in the garbage. She'd be roll her well, eyes except, and say, ex- "Oh man, this is the Gerard moment, Butler." This is the moment she's been fighting against his advice to loosen up. This mm-hmm. is the moment we're in. She has a moment of doubt, as we would say, oh. where she says, maybe he's right. Maybe I should loosen up. I should but give these a Maybe go. I should loosen mm-hmm. my vagina up via these vibrating panties. Daniel. That's what happened? Daniel. <laughs> this is a family recording. No, it has never been. There are people listening to this while they make dinner. Yeah, well, that's true. But, I mean, uh, you kept commenting on how the vibrating panties were black and her and her dress was white, so it would be obvious that she... You'd see it through. It just yeah, bad yeah, dressing. St- as style goes, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so... You don't so, want visible panty lines when you're going out on a date with Colin. You have a uh, bunch of... Yeah, but it's kind of hot because then you know you can see their panties, right? Uh, anyway, the, they, they... Stuart knows the ugly truth about men. She didn't realize yeah. that there was a corporate dinner with the, the guys from corporate... So it's night. a mix-em-up? So she ends up at this dinner with the guys from corporate. The remote control for the panties falls out of her purse, and a child picks them up. But it falls out of her purse when she kicks Gerard Butler for saying something misogynistic. Yeah. Oh. So it's like her getting, like, served. It's her for, comeuppance. Yes. Yeah, Always for being such a shrew. Petard. Anyway, yeah. long story short, again, uh, during a whirlwind trip to Los Angeles where Gerard Butler's appearing on the Craig Ferguson show. Uh, Wait, the <laughs> Craig Ferguson that's, show? That's right. They got the... the Late Late Show. The Late Late Show with Craig Surely Ferguson. Surely it was a Craig Ferguson lookalike. No, you would be this. wrong there. They got the Craig Ferguson. Wait, is that that Irish guy? No, actually Scottish. Okay. 
the only joke I laughed at in the whole movie was the one where Catherine Heigl is trying to prep Gerard Butler for what the show is going to be like mm. and tries to do a Scottish accent. It sounds uh, sounds Irish, and Gerard Butler goes, "Okay, well, Irish Scott, Irish uh, Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson. I want to say Scott Ferguson for some reason." Um, and that was the only joke where I was like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of funny because yeah, people people get Irish and Scottish accents mixed up." Well, it's also kind of funny because. Uh, Gerard Butler, um, he's an English guy, right? Like, I think he's Scottish. Scottish? So, so it's, it seemed like that came from a place of reality within Gerard Butler. Yeah. Like maybe he improvised that uh, semi... That was one of Gerard you know Butler's famous kind of, on-set ad-libs. And the best kind of joke is the one that like we can sit around and discuss why it was really funny. <laughs> yes, and that requires a knowledge of the home countries of late-night talk show hosts. Uh, and cle- the actors clearly starring you, in The Ugly Truth. <laughs> clearly you listeners at home know I'm making a joke. The best kind of jokes are actually the ones that involve kicking somebody in the crotch, ding-dong sound effects, or <laughs> boobs bouncing out of a chick's shirt. <laughs> really, farts didn't make it on the list. So They're, wait, they're fourth. Ding-dong, ding-dong they got kicked of- out by the ding-dong sound effect. I'm really a big fan. <laughs> ding-dong sound effect like a doorbell or like a, a spring? <laughs> That's wait, a boiling. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> See, ding dong, it's way funnier <laughs> yeah. now. Okay. I agree. I'm with Stuart on this one. Okay. So, like so anyway, long story short, on this whirlwind trip, somebody they, have, falls in love they with dance with each other. They have a moment of passion. Like in Romancing the Stone. Yes, they have a moment of passion, which is interrupted. And then, blah, 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 Gerard Butler leaves the station because she wants she's staying with Colin. They well, meet he up thinks with, that she's staying He with thinks Colin. she's staying at Colin, but she actually breaks up with Colin. And then they meet up again at a hot air balloon, hot air balloon festival. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck off. <laughs> you were watching it. That's what happens. Really? And he admits his love for her on live television, and everything's okay. Who was filming it? <laughs> There's a camera set up in the basket of the hot air balloon. A which local the, fucking place has a camera. In which a bal- the station puts on a live feed <laughs> to capture the private moments uh, that they have, and then acts like the, as if like in the Olympics. And then when they say crazy things, when and they being, start swearing, and it's broadcast live, the pr- the producer on the network is like, "Uh oh, here it comes! Oh no!" And he looks over at the judge, and the judge is like, "I'll allow it." <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the things where it's like. They could cut away at any moment to the actual yeah. show they're supposed to be broadcasting. You, know, you just anyway, cut the feed. They don't need to... And they lived happily ever after, and they had intense sex at the end. <laughs> they did. And it, But it ends with Gerard Butler curiously uh, not confident about his sexual performance. Yeah, which is disappointing, because up until this point, we, the viewers, believe that he is quite the stallion, if it were. Mm-hmm. But he's somewhat emasculated at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Because it proves, once again, that a woman's real power is in her ability to fake her orgasms. Whereas a dude can yeah, only fake an orgasm by <laughs> a blinding a woman and spitting on her. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> what? Wait. Wait. There is also a brief moment. They replace Gerard Butler. Wait, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> Gerard Butler leaves the station, so they replace him with a guy named, what was it? Chet Jackson? Jack Magnum? Jack Magnum. (laughs) Chet Jackson. (laughs) That sounds like like a relief pitcher. (laughs) They replace him with a guy named uh, Uh, Jack Magnum, who starts saying, like, listen, it's this weird moment where he's like, I'm at the Hot Air Balloon Festival to tell you that men are full of hot air, but really what I'm going to say is women are liars. When they say no, they don't mean no. Just keep going. And it's like... It's yeah, and earlier on he said, I've had sex with 150 women, many of them conscious, or something like that. Yeah, it was this very weird moment where it was suddenly like, oh my god, they put a rapist on television. And then that's swept aside for the romantic... Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, it, I think they were trying to go for, this guy's a creep, and instead 
they went way, <laughs> way past that. It's weird because Gerard Butler's character is so relatively tame. He's yeah. supposed to be like the the misogynistic perv, but really it's like there's nothing he says that you couldn't say on daytime television. Like there's yeah. nothing out there or crazy about him. So his character doesn't work. But yeah, they try yeah, to replace I mean, his, him. With... His character operates on like the Charlie Sheen and two and a half men level. Yeah, exactly. Right. Not, th- not that I ever saw that. <laughs> but like, the, it's, I heard. You're right. Somebody. It's like they wanted to show like, really, he's not that bad a guy. So they went for, for a man who commits one of the worst crimes that exists. <laughs> yeah. You know. And oh, Catherine man. Heigl's character is this prude that is so far to the, I think that uh, we're talking about how that's really the, the biggest problem with the movie is that it tries to go for this like old timey romantic comedy feel, but it doesn't make sense in this day and age where like you don't run into women that are that extremely like prudish. Like her character do, is so like or weird. If, if you do, they don't dress or act the way that she does. Like there's they're talking about well, well, you, also, need to, you need to sex up your wardrobe, and she we- she's wearing like tight fitting jeans and a shirt that shows off her shape. Like she's not wearing prudish clothes when he says this. It's it's just a weird thing of like we gotta make her look like she's really unsexy and doesn't have sex a lot. But it's Catherine Heigl, so we gotta sex up this character, you know. Yeah, but we also, need some stuff to get the guy, you know, put the boyfriends in the seat next to their girl. They're gonna be sitting through this movie. We gotta give them some eye candy. Maybe maybe they'll go because that guy was in the gamer in the three hundred movie. <laughs> <laughs> the gamer. <laughs> Starring Fred Savage, but uh, <laughs> it's the wizard. <laughs> but no, like yeah, if if he wasn't really the star, I mean, he was a supporting character. No, he was the star, but he wasn't the actual game player. He wasn't the, the wizard. Okay, he wasn't the title character, but he was the star of the. I film. thought the, the all star I know of the is that movie was had Mario a... from Super Mario Three. <laughs> well, that was that was the surprise star of the film. <laughs> Everyone's the surprise star glimpses. was the power glove. The power glove was a cameo appearance. <laughs> I, think I wish in the credits that it said power glove himself. <laughs> The younger version of of hit indie singer Jenny Lewis was the star of that. I don't film. know who that is, but uh, no, like if you encounter someone that I'm going to assume you made a reference that I understood. In, oh, Dan, mm-hmm. hilarious! You've done it again, McCoy. hilarious, Dan. That's the real McCoy. <laughs> that would be my segment on the show, but um, no, but yeah, if you met someone as buttoned down in modern life uh, as Catherine Heigl is in this film, the thing is, I feel like they button would up. button up, yeah. Like, they would recognize that they had a problem themselves. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm just I'm not comfortable with my sexuality. And, like, they would be aware of that and other people would be aware that that was weird. Where she's, like, presented, I feel like, as some sort of... Every like, woman? Not, not, like, not like a norm. Like, they definitely make it clear that she's, like, a crazy control freak, but... But in a way that where it's like, it's like it turns on and off when they need it to for the scenes. Right. And, and It's it, not a well-written movie. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like she's Wait, like, what? borderline. <laughs> she borderline has emotional problems the way they <laughs> depict her in the movie, and they don't. But they don't like portray her as being kind of like an outsider. She's not like uh, that. Uh, what uh, Angela Bettis's character in May? <laughs> yeah, she's not building a lover out of the bits and pieces <laughs> of men and women who have uh, come on to her. No, yeah, she's not, not doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's but uh, it's like uh, it, it feels like she. They could have easily made a character who is a very successful woman in the world of television in directing, which in a lot of places is a is a male-dominated field. She's gotten there by kind of turning off her femininity and her sexuality. The kind, I mean, they've made this movie a hundred times before, and now she has to blossom again. But they, she's never turned it off. Like, the character is just not... None of the characters are extreme enough for any of the jokes or situations to work. Yeah. They're all kind of middle of the road and bland, and and Colin is the blandest of them all. Them all, like he's just he is literally there to fill the space 
in the air or in the frame that mm-hmm. a, a human body is needed to fill. And like, it's strange because there's a million more people with like even just the slightest bit more charisma than that guy. Like they yeah. could have put Paul Walker in this movie and it, the movie would have been way better. Yeah. yeah he's I mean, a almost black, any movie. He's a black than- <laughs> he's a black hole of charm, Paul Walker, and he would have improved the ugly truth. Yeah. Um I would like to talk about how vague this film is about it. Like the problem with so many bad movies is their lack of specificity, and it was only um, three quarters away of the, through the film that we realized uh, what city this was supposed to be taking care taking. Well, part. I think they naturally assumed the audience would recognize the famous landmarks and buildings of Sacramento, California. Yeah, a town that nobody has been to, even the people who live there. Well, we only learned it because uh, my <laughs> Take that wife, capital of California, my wife yelled it from the other room because she looked it up on Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she had long gotten bored of the film and left, but she was, you know, consumed so by the bored. mystery of yeah. what what the <laughs> and city she's could the she's be. the target audience, mm-hmm. a lady with two X chromosomes, a really? lady with you know, <laughs> with, no, that's just women that you know, she's a lady with a husband who doesn't mind sitting down for the occasional movie, yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know, so yeah, target demographic, but um, so it's Sacramento. It's at this this morning show that apparently is... That has no name, I think. Yeah, its ratings are so bad that it is consistently beaten by this uh, public access show that Gerard Butler has, but it has not been canceled yet, and even in spite of these bad ratings, it gets guests like Rocco Despirito and Desmond Tutu on it. That they just mentioned Desmond Tutu. You don't actually see... You see Rocco Despirito on the yeah. show. But it, the producers of The Ugly Truth apparently could not convince the Archbishop to <laughs> yeah. show up and be in the film. But they so got Craig Ferguson. They got Craig Ferguson and Rocco Despirito, though. Yeah. So there's that weirdness. They kind of add up to equal one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. It's, it's math. I know, I didn't, I'm not that advanced in math. Yeah, that's so. cool. Well, and there's this weirdness that it's like this morning show, but it doesn't appear like it's like Good Morning America or something. It like seems like a regular news show, but then it'll give over half of its time to this long to the ugly truth. Yeah, the with ugly Gerard truth. Butler. <laughs> so what? It's not his character's name. It's what? like Jazz Peter <laughs> Peterson. It's like Jack Corvette. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Cadillac Bronson. <laughs> I've been just saying that this, like, what kind of fucking show is this? This is a show about broadcasting that has no understanding of, like, the most basic yeah, well, broadcasting. Yeah, well, it's, it's like a morning show, like, you know, uh, it's it's an, it's a, like a, the, the show I keep thinking of is the show that Danny Tanner hosted on Full House called Wake Up San Francisco. <laughs> like, that show, but at a news desk. In the beginning, they keep saying, like, you're a newsman. This is a news show. But all we ever see them do is a cooking segment these ugly truth segments and the se- and they tease segments like then coming up we go to the- we look at the porpoises at the zoo it's mm-hmm. like this is not a news show this is a fluff morning show yeah why well, not have uh, what jet racing stripe talk about the ugly around truth in in jello and gelatin based stuff yeah with girls. women well yeah. there was also a scene in this film yeah. and maybe we missed something. Because we, you know, we talk through the films. I don't really? think that's a whoa, secret. whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't hold, don't pull the curtain back. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we take notes and everything. Mm-hmm. But there was a scene in this movie. We watch it like four times. Where back, and we read the screenplay. There's a scene where and Gerard. The for God's sake! Let me finish <laughs> one sentence. Tracks. Yes. Let me get through an idea so that it's the cool now. It'll be funny. people listening to the, uh, the thing they were waiting for it. That's can understand. Be funny. You had you have your opportunity thought. right now. Finish the sentence. Okay. Anyway, it's the buildup. So there's a scene in this movie. This is gonna be good. 
where uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl is listen is talking to Colin, oh, and Gerard Butler listens in from his cell phone. Okay. So she's talking on a work line, and he somehow listens in to her it phone might, call it might be from a, a cell phone. I think it might be a cordless phone that is also in the office on that line. But then why does she have two phones in her office? This is what I'm saying. It may have been something that we missed because we were talking, but... It just feels like the movie doesn't care. It doesn't care to make sense. Well, this anything. is also the kind of movie, like, he says in the beginning, we're, we're being beaten by this cra- guy on Channel 83, public access. They could have easily had her go home and say, like, well, I'll see this for myself and turn on that show. Mm-hmm. Because the show is apparently, <laughs> because his Ugly Truth TV show is apparently on 24 hours a day on this <laughs> well, public clearly. access channel. But instead... Her cat steps on the remote, which turns on the TV to the right channel. Like, why bother? Why have something that, like, contrived? Are you, it's almost as if the movie was saying her pussy turns him on. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> that symbolism is so far above the head, like, what's going on her in this thing. pussy. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, got, we got, we got, it, got yeah. it. You don't need to say it over again. Uh, her cat. Her cat, Stuart, by the way. Pussy. <laughs> named D'Artagnan. He would have been. Oh, That's yeah, the cat's name. So it, D'Artagnan breaks a fishbowl. That's when you first learn his name. I, because they, she goes, D'Artagnan, how could you? Or something like that. The cat runs up a tree and she goes, D'Artagnan, come back. D'Artagnan, D'Artagnan. Well, this is her fourth cat. There, there was Athos, <laughs> Porthos, and Aramis before this, and they all passed away. I would. I'll bet. Eight takes of her turning and shouting, <laughs> D'Artagnan! If I was the director, I would have made her do it 70 times. That was the way I would punish her if she was if she was being cranky on set. Well, we should do some more D'Artagnan takes. <laughs> you're known for keeping your actors in line. Oh, yeah, I'm Elliot. like Fritz Lang that way. Wow. You're, you're like that one director who uh, did everything 80 times to sap any personality out of it. I forget who it was, but... It's like a famous director who, like, that was his thing. He just he just wanted them to say the words so he would do every take, like, a hundred times. It's like, yep, that's the one I want. <laughs> Chris Columbus? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that's it. Chris Might be Columbus. Judd Apatow? Yeah. Oh, Damn. Damn. You, you are hate, rough you on that guy. I'm not a fan of his work. He means well. I know that. Yeah. I find him neither funny nor interesting, his wow. movies. Okay, wow. Speaking I of like, news. I like most of the Spoiler alert. I am not... I haven't seen... He he was involved with the Sarah Marshall movie, right? He produced, produced it? it. Yeah, I've seen two I think and a half would movies like he's one. directed, and I couldn't finish the third one, so that's why I won't say half. But anyway, the ugly truth, huh? Anyhow, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an ugly. But I truth. hope Mr. Avatar will still read my screenplay. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's called bunch Bad of Nate. bunch Bad of Nate. guys hang out and get high and talk about stuff from when they were kids. Ooh, and there's a shrewish woman in it. Oh, man. Ooh, the wow. movie. That is some mad magazine-level satire you just threw at us. Well, I made it up right now on the top of the top of my head, you know. Yeah, if he was writing something for Mad Magazine, he'd spend at least 25 minutes. There'd be way more Yiddish in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (sighs) So. Anywho, uh, yeah, it's not a... um, So this was not a very good... This is a very bland movie. Okay. You were you were pitching a, you were pitching us a romantic comedy at the beginning of this movie. I was. Yeah. Okay. Called well, Bad Date. Okay. What's the deal there? It takes place over one night. Okay. And this guy goes on. I'm listening. The worst date ever. What kind of guy? Uh, he's your average Joe. He has l- Does he a little have two bit, arms. He has two arms and two legs. Okay. But not at the end of the date. Oh no. That's how bad this date is. <laughs> Sunglasses. 
He's not cool enough for sunglasses, but he'll need them when his eyes get pulled out by crows. <laughs> when he's hanging from a gibbet. <laughs> sure. Or gibbet. I don't know That how makes sense. Does he learn anything from the experience? What he learns is... What's his arc? Uh, uh, his arc is basically... I'm not going to go on a date with her again. Yeah, okay. I, but he, he, but he doesn't have any limbs. Don't interrupt, Elliot. Me. I gotta say, or maybe he might just lose one leg. <laughs> don't okay. interrupt. What type? Of, what type? Of, what type of character? What type of actress is going to play this? Uh, this bad date? She's going to be real sexy. Okay, real. But sexy. she is trouble. She's yep. got to be able to clumsy play like. Maybe? No, no, not cl- well. A little bit of clumsy. Okay. Also, kind of crazy. Okay. And maybe <laughs> maybe she is related to a murderer. Okay, related to a murderer. I like this. I like this. Like, like, at some point, this takes a left turn. It's like a lot of like, oops, she she stood up at the wrong moment, and knocked over the waiter's tray. Like a Miranda Richardson type, kind of, and then eventually goes into saw territory. Okay, wow. yeah, I like where you're going here. It's like a more dramatic something wild. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Or like National Lampoon's Blind Date, but if like it was called Blind Date because he was blinded at the end, I, or like I the Heartbreak s- Kid, but with more Ben Stiller, but with his heart actually torn in two. I think you're gonna got to sew it back together with shoelaces. I think I you're like gonna that. lose the young female quadrant when he loses his eyes. <laughs> I don't, well, he's gonna be there's gonna be plenty of yucks in it. You know, okay. there's lots of jokes. A lot yeah, of and that, I mean, young girls eat up that moment where the they main eat, character they eat up eyes. They, they eat up that moment where he's like standing in standing in the midst of a howling gale. <laughs> howling at an uncaring yeah, god, on a, yeah, on a holding wa- the remains of his eyes on a blasted hands. heath. <laughs> with sounds with naught but the fool to Excelsior. Or I guess the fool is with Lear. So it's which is the good brother, Edmund or Edward? I don't remember. Oh, okay, well he's the one who's with Gloucester. Yeah. Oh, right. So, King uh, anywho, so that wish, sounds like a great would, movie. But I would love that. to. I would love to write a movie called Bad Date that like starts out like it's a, like a very silly movie and then just gets very. Not, like like audition, that's, but that's the thing. It's been done before. Something like audition, except audition where the first half of the movie isn't painfully boring to sit through. Oh, okay, but that's that's well, the that whole the, point. That makes the ending all the sweeter. I did not when I watched it. <laughs> it's that sl- it's that slow burn. You it was like weird so much. though because audition is one of the is the movie that it's better if you don't know what's coming. But uh-huh. if I didn't know what was coming, I probably would have stopped watching the movie. Sure, because. There's, it's not particularly. Yeah. A lot of Takeshi Miike movies are like that. Except a lot of his movies are crazy right off the bat. That's true. Like Ishii the Killer has its slow moments, but it also, but it's insane right from the beginning. Well, that's fair. When but the Ishii title the appears is the in, most in a puddle extreme. of semen, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, now that we're in a roundtable discussion of Takeshi Miike, but then you got uh, a movie like Izu, which <laughs> sure. I think anyway. we should or probably, Gozu, or Gozu. He loves his zoos. I think we should probably wrap up our uh, ugly truth discussion. What, okay. what, what's left of it? I well, guess no, what? No, to say uh, we can go on to judgments. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Because it seems like we've uh, what kind of judgments? Final judgments. Final judgments. So to. Reset this for the audience. Our categories are, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie that you actually sort of liked? Stuart. Um, I'm going to say bad, bad movie because there wasn't nearly enough silly stuff. Like, I was expecting it to not be a lot of fun, but aside from the hilarious vibrating panty scene, mm-hmm. there was nothing that I really enjoyed the in this movie. vibrating <laughs> panties. Um, I also did enjoy Gerard Butler's attempt to hide his... Uh, little chipmunk cheeks with uh, a half beard, but it didn't work, buddy. Go for a full wow. beard. Gerard Butler is going to come and he's going to beat all of us. Not me. I haven't said anything about how puffy he looks. He, he can beat me up. It's okay. 
Um, yeah. It'll be like paparazzi. I will. <laughs> I'll take his picture. He also we were talking about how Gerard Butler talks out of the side of his mouth like Popeye. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, this is a bad, bad movie. I there were a couple of moments where I was sort of like when they were when the two leads were allowed to just sort of be palling around. You know, when it was a movie about people who disagreed but were workers who work together and friends like i actually kind of found some of that a little charming there was potential there yeah like there could have been chemistry if they were allowed to just be like okay well we disagree but we're not going to argue about it all the time but like that's just going to be a source of you know like a little friction fun friction in our relationship and that was the film rather than all these contrivances that wouldn't have been a great movie but at least it might have some enjoyable moments whereas this was just you know the worst kind of i don't know by the numbers romantic comedy like okay well we're gonna mix in a little cyrano we're gonna have like some opposites tracked it's gonna be people are gonna get caught in situations that seem sexual or Mm. are awkward or embarrassing and then uh we're gonna cut away from that scene so we don't have to extricate them from that situation (laughs) yeah yeah, it just it just wasn't good. Maybe maybe in uh, maybe in this movie with uh, with Jennifer Aniston, it'll it'll be better. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Gerard oh, Butler's the, got a... the bounty hunter film. Yeah, maybe that'll be, be that'll be right up your alley. I think it was you should called take the a bounty date hunter. to that one. Oh, sure, perhaps my wife Let or the... someone else. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be our next Flophouse contest. <laughs> Go on a date with Dan McCoy. Uh-huh. My wife wants to stay married to me, so she doesn't want to see the bounty hunter. <laughs> Who wants to see the bounty hunter with me? Nice. So what is the bounty hunter about? It's about, it's about a bounty hunter. Let the X Games begin. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's sayeth the poster. That's the slogan on the poster. <laughs> Not really what the movie's about, but that's I all think I need to know. Gerard Butler has yet had found his niche once, which was man with with cut abs who yell who bellows mm-hmm. at Persians. Brandishes and, a sword. And since then, he's they've been trying him. In other, it's it's kind of the same way that like if he was a star Elliot, in the 30s or Elliot. 40s. P.S. I love you. <laughs> P.S. Elliot. P.S. I love Thanks. you. Thanks. Well, but he's it's not. Like, that's not a. He's not saying a movie title. No, no. He just, just to tell you. That. I just want to interrupt. He's you writing that. the postscript to a letter he has yet to write. Yeah. Uh, but it's like in the 30s or 40s. If you have a new star, suddenly he's hit it big with this movie 300. You're going to try him out in as many different types of movies as you can to see what he's good in and what he's not good in, what the audience wants to see him do. It almost feels like Gerard Butler is going through that process right now where it's like, let's see if he can do romantic comedy. Okay, maybe not that. Well, let's see if he can do – like drama will be next. You know. I hope they do that with uh, that Sam Worthington guy instead of just putting him in movies filled with CGI. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I, like, I'm hoping for some like a, like a musical comedy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Maybe a fantasy children's film. That sounds great. So many musical comedies being made. Maybe today, maybe too. like maybe like a like a like a Jewish family holiday comedy. <laughs> Are there those? Yeah. Do those exist? I'll, I've po- never I'll, point, s- I'll point you in the right direction, Mike. Yeah, friend. please do. Oh, and my, my final judgment is bad, bad movie. Like what Dan said, it was very by the numbers, but not in a good way. There can be something very fun in seeing a movie that does a formula very well, but seeing a movie that does Example. a formula very poorly is bad. Example. Well, like a certain kinds of action movies, you know, like uh, or certain kinds of romantic comedies, like a uh, a movie like Pretty Woman. It's not a favorite of mine, but it, like has a kind of formula of characters going through the, some similar motions, and then it, and then it works for people, you know. Yeah, like 
I, I, I was talking to my uh, I was talking to my lady. We watched uh, Couples Retreat, which was terrible, and <laughs> she made this comment of like, "Oh, you know, it was worse than I expected." I'm like, "Well, I figured it was going to be a piece of shit," but I guess there is that that like that comfort you get from something that's at least good at being very bland, like yeah. very by the numbers. Well, even there are horror movies that are like that too, where like. Oh you s- right, you're tying it in with something I like. Exactly, you're like there you a go. relationship coach. Yeah, <laughs> let's take. You're like Doctor Oz. <laughs> doctor. Wait, no, he's not a relationship no, coach. No, he's not at all. He's doctor. a medical doctor. <laughs> but uh, there's a problem with your relationship. You have it's, cancer. It's your rectum. It's something in your rectum. Oh, okay. Thanks, Doctor Oz. I guess <laughs> your relationship with your body. <laughs> But like they, like a horror movie or a science fiction movie, like there can be a good like I have I'm hopefully gonna finally see Avatar this weekend. Sure. But what I've heard from people who liked it is that it do, it delivered what they wanted very well. That they knew what was gonna happen, but there were there were no surprises. But they didn't want there to be surprises. Like there can be a certain yeah. joy in that. You know? Yeah. <sighs> well, that that being settled. So that was the theory part of this uh, yeah. podcast. Now that we've resolved that. Yeah, you want to go? What, what? I can move on to um, sure. and the Flophouse movie mailbag. Mailbag. This one is uh, from. It's not written in that small a print, Dan. <laughs> well, my Dan was holding the paper literally <laughs> less than a millimeter from his glasses. I don't think that was a literal. Uh, his his that... nose actually poked through the paper. Wow. <laughs> They were just so close like to his Patterson. Face. My printer was running Patterson? out of ink. Yeah, the isn't that the, the governor? governor? Yeah, the <laughs> he has serious visual problems. I know, but every like he, he you know he says some stuff that's pretty serious, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. And then he just like <laughs> leans right over the paper, and it totally messes it up. Okay, well, Stuart hates blind people. At oh, everyone. come on! That's... Just when they're in a position of power. So anyway, no, the, my printer was running out of ink. And thus... Um, Looks like you better catch it. <laughs> that doesn't work. Running out of ink? No, it doesn't. Ink must be a location of some kind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, God. You've ruined everything. <laughs> so this is from uh, Dion, last name withheld. Warwick. <laughs> we know what the last name is. It says... Sanders. Maybe it's Sanders. Dear Floppers... It's come to my attention that the Flophouse doesn't have a tagline. Mm. That sucks. Here are some suggestions. Okay. Uh, their follies are fun. Okay. A swift kick to a bad movie's balls. And this one's less of a tagline than just an explanation. Your movie sucks. Here's why. <laughs> I actually like that one. Yeah. I like that. I mean, the other ones have a certain uh, flair to them, but mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. All um, those would look good if plastered on the bottom of a poster with the three of us, like with our arms crossed on it, like, yeah, back to shaking back. our heads, yeah, shaking our heads. No, we're sitting, we're sitting in a. Can uh, you shake your heads in a poster? Well, I, <laughs> it's lenticular. As you walk by it, the heads shake. Wow, I don't, that's going to cost a lot. I mean, if we want this, oh, each one is going to cost fifteen or twenty dollars at least. We're going to print up a thousand of that's them. No good. But or, or like we're sitting and put them that. in subways where they'll never be defaced. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like or it's like the scary movie poster. We're all sitting in movie theater seats, you okay. know, like throwing popcorn at the screen or something. Sure, like that. and various yeah. characters from the films that we're making fun of will be sitting next to us, mm-hmm. but slightly twisted versions of them, <laughs> caricatured, if you yeah. will. Yeah, but he says something well, like, like that: surfing with a giant head, <laughs> exactly, or with a tennis <laughs> racket, <in their laughs> roller skating. <laughs> Ride, driving a tiny car. 
<laughs> it says perhaps another vague contest is in order. I say that only one vague contest at a time. But that would this would be a very good, vague, a good contest. vague contest. Well, we actually have pri- I forgot to hand these to you guys before this. We have uh, contest prizes. Yeah, for reels. Well, I was going to get into that because in his postscript he says, uh, "P.S. Dan is the classy one." I love one. you. The classy one. Between occasional clinks of ice on glass and the fairly consistent political correctness, Dan keeps Joke Train on track and Stuart off the FBI watch list. <laughs> Yay! So, I don't want that. That is an accurate hook. I uh, I think that's good. I mean, it's kind of like that's call, hook, it's, right? it's kind of like calling me the Cyclops of you're the group. Still, yeah, but I like it better. Leonardo. Yeah. It's well, it's 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 phrased in a more pleasant way, though. Yeah, yeah. it makes it sound like you're the Frasier. Mm-hmm. As like opposed I'm Dean to the Martin or as something. opposed to the Ted Danson. Yeah. Wow. You're Wait. Dean Martin. Yeah. That's. Or who was was there anyone in or uh, who would he be on Night Court? The bailiff, not the bailiff. Yeah, he's not the Mac. Court. Yeah, yeah, Mac. That's who he'd be. Wait, would I get to be? No, you'd be you'd be Harry, and I'd be John Larroquette, right? Yeah, of course. Dan Feeling, sure. Of that course. sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be okay being. Can we Mac. go do that? <laughs> yes. How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll start up the holodeck. We can have our Night Court adventure. Can we do that? <laughs> Wait, is what some, does that even is mean? Some dude with a Tommy gun gonna show up and just it's a holodeck, yeah, a Tommy gun or you know Sherlock Holmes or something. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, adventure. Yeah. By the way, do, by the way, do not start up the holodeck because Moriarty is gonna figure out some way of getting off the holodeck, oh, becoming real and ruining everything. Oh man, can we do that? What does it mean? I don't know what you're asking. Stuart wants someone to build us a night court set, and we would get some old night court scripts, I think, and we would just live inside night court. Yeah, that sounds good. Forever. Oh, that was good. Oh, man, I needed that one. Yeah. So, night court. So, so to sum Thanks, up... night court. This one's for you. sum up, our new tagline is, kind of like night court. Wish it was night court. Yeah. Anyway. Um, wait. Do you do magic? <laughs> I don't, but I could learn it if it meant I could be Judge Harry. Yeah, yeah. I, it's too bad. I like uh, Mel Torme well enough. Uh, past. We could get him on the flop house. He just like Night Court. Oh, yeah. Because he was often on Night Court. <laughs> he guessed it a few times. Anyway, this one's called... Uh, this letter is called... I bet we could get Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> we probably could get a... Uh, What's-her-face? Uh, the, the Marky Post? Marky Post. You know, if we had a... We got a grand together. If we scraped a grand together, we could probably get Marky Post. Well, yeah, we'll but say. I want to pay for Cinderella to play at my uh, my thirtieth birthday. So <laughs> that's where my grand's going. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the second and last uh, letter. Ooh, is, I like the mailbag. It's called Dan the Memorable Man. It's from Brian. Uh, so it's fiction. <laughs> oh, Brian, last name withheld. If you case you didn't hear it, that was me and Stewart high fiving. Um, while I think that three overexcited personalities would crowd the show far too much, there's probably plenty of ways for Dan to stand out among the crowd of two. <laughs> perhaps instead of doing the, <laughs> perhaps instead of doing the bumper in the middle of the show as a straight plug, Dan could sing a little ditty that summarizes the movie in a humorous way. Sure, I'd stop listening immediately, but I'd never forget the name of Dan, the man who ruined his own podcast. <laughs> Um, by the way, it was fantastic that Dan was trying to talk about how he doesn't stand out compared to Stuart and Elliot, and he was constantly being drowned out by those two being very Stuarty and Elliot- Elliot-y. That's a hard word to say. Elliot-y? 
Elietti. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, that's the, the Himalayas. <laughs> Himalayas. Yeah. Sometimes the man making the magic just can't get attention behind the flashy <clears throat> assistants. Anyway, oh. I for one, I'm glad that at least two of the floppers don't talk about their junk most episodes. Oh my god. <laughs> So <laughs> you guys talking about my junk way more well. Anyway, so that was a that was a very pleasant uh, email. I accept that critique. <laughs> Fine. That's a very big of you, Stuart. Yep. Uh, Zing. I will not rise to your challenge. <laughs> oh man, so there's a lot of ins and outs to that joke. But um Oh man. <laughs> the the point of this is um yes yeah, uh, you've got some prizes for the Give Dan a Some hook. surprises. Uh, prizes. Contest. Prizes, yeah. Okay, they're not surprises. Though. Well, it's a surprise to the listeners because they don't but know what it is. not to you. Not to me. I know what it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. But um, I think we should give them one more show to get some entries in since we just are announcing officially that we have the prizes now. Yeah. And why don't you explain the prizes? Um, these prizes are, this is a very rare and uh, hard to find thing. Uh, okay. It fits in a box. Okay. <laughs> no, the, uh, if, okay. I'll, I'll in a form of a riddle. All right. I live under a tree. <laughs> Can you see me? Now, this is um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, John Ott, former roommate uh, from the years at college back in the, at our old alma mater, uh, New York University. Uh, wrote and directed and produced a short horror film called Stull. That uh, he, for the DVD release of, had us Flophouse guys do an alternate audio track for doing commentary on his film. Like a riff tracks. Kind of like a riff tracks, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but not legally in a way that could be... Um, oh, be so we can't for. get sued for that. Right. Nope, can't get sued. We were asked to do it by the person who owns the rights to the film. Yeah. And uh, he has donated to us uh, a couple DVDs of that film, including our... Commentary. So, for the Flophouse fans out there, that's awesome. One, it's a pretty, it's a pretty entertaining short film. But also, for the Flophouse fans, this is rare and exclusive Flophouse material. Yeah, not available anywhere else. It's like sitting with us while we're watching the movie, rather than uh, trying to imagine what that must have been like mm-hmm. uh, while listening to the podcast after we've seen the movie. And for the completest, it's a must. Mm-hmm. For the Flophouse completest. Um, and, uh, if you don't win the contest, you can still, uh, buy the DVDs at a URL that I should have looked up before. I'll put it on the recording. website. Ah, good idea. So, speaking of the website, <laughs> speaking of the website, I just want to briefly take a moment to say, I apologize that there have not been movie minutes recently. Um. And there's been some stuff we can talk about from movie minutes. There has too. been stuff we've been talking about, but basically... I have been getting busier and busier lately, and so since I do most of the movie minutes <laughs> on my own, I just haven't had time to sit down and do it when it's just me. So I think that going forward, uh, because I don't, I, I don't believe that the Flophouse fan is a big fan necessarily of the movie minute in particular. Aww. They like the uh, main episodes. Um, I will still try and put out movie minutes occasionally when we are all together and we've recorded something like an, an extra letters thing or we have a subject that we want to talk about. But uh, in terms of just there being like a separate movie minute, uh, that may not be happening anymore. So well, we appreciate all the hard work you've been putting into this, Thanks, and uh, you know now that it you're... really shows though, man, you're looking good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> and uh, 
we will try not to let it affect your evaluation at the end of the month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Bringing the room down. Okay, so are we done here? What's... Well, we got to rank men some movies. All right. Stuart, do you have one? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie that we all watch together for fun. Remember, guys? Whoa, whoa, No, we whoa, did this. Wait, we whoa. didn't record anything afterwards? No, I know. For we, pleasure. We sat around in my uh, living room and watched a Blu-ray copy of... <laughs> Yep. As if that, as if nobody's got Blu-ray. A Blu-ray <laughs> copy of House of the Devil, which was a recently released uh, throwback-style horror movie directed by Ty West, um, and it's for anybody who likes uh, horror movies, specifically horror movies that um, you know take a little bit of time and encourage uh, you know are a little bit patient. Um, and are more about atmosphere than anything else. I totally recommend it for yeah, you. It's very good. good. It's very good. Um, so that was mine. I watched recently uh, "World's Greatest Dad," uh, the film directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, is that? Did they release that on DVD? Uh, yeah, you can watch it on Netflix uh, streaming now. If you uh, if you want to watch instantly, well, sh- should we? Is this an actual recommendation? Yeah, no, I'm recommending. That's what I'm recommending. <laughs> so you're recommending that we watch mm-hmm. it. Okay. Okay. It uh, stars Robin Williams in a not irritating performance, and it's about a, a guy who has a horrible, horrible, unpleasant son who kills himself accidentally during an act of autoerotic asphyx- asphyxiation, and uh, his father, who is a failed writer, um, covers this up. Writes a uh, suicide note, and then after the fact, the um, the uh, son sort of becomes deified at the school a little bit. Like uh, he, people think they look at the suicide note and think, "Okay, this kid was deep." And it's about how you know we have this tendency to make the dead into saints. It's about um, you know what it means to be like a good parent. It's a uh, it's a, it's not like a hilarious movie, but like it's a good satire, and it keeps it very like human sized. Um, you know, the, like the Robin Williams character does horrible things, but each like incremental step, it makes sense, and then it doesn't it doesn't get way out of crazy whack. Like it's not a satire that where crazy whack. <laughs> well, it's not like a satire where it goes to the extreme. Where I feel like most movies would want to make it really big, where all of a sudden. Uh, you know the kids' fake writings sweep the nation, and it's the number one bestseller. And then there has to be like a big nationwide, like denouement, and there does, it doesn't get so that, that crazy. So that would be extreme crazy whack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, since in my... the dictionary <laughs> under extreme crazy whack, that's what it would. Show. Since my recommendation has been totally discounted <laughs> by my choice of words, I will no, it pass sounds it very along good. to yeah, Elliot. Good. for his recommendation. Uh, the Do one... we have to get in our time machines for this one, Elliot? <laughs> to go back in time? I don't know why you would need to go. Well, you might, actually, because uh, the movie I'm going to recommend is one that's kind of hard to see. It's more of a well, it's more of a movie like if it's playing near you, you should take the opportunity to go see it. Um, I don't think I don't think it's been mentioned before. It's called The Devil and Miss Jones. <laughs> it's called Behind the Green Door. Uh, the, Stars the Dove Soap Girl. <laughs> but uh, it's a movie called uh, Los Angeles Plays Itself, which is a documentary about... The way Los Angeles has been portrayed mm-hmm. in film, uh, in through film history, and kind of what you would think about Los Angeles if you watched only movies, and then it slowly kind of becomes a documentary about the ways f- 
different kinds of films tell different stories and the types of stories about Los Angeles that don't get told, about the people who live there who aren't rich, white movie stars, uh, and kind of this, the city itself and misconceptions about it. It's a really good documentary. Unfortunately, it's made up almost entirely of scenes from other films. And because the director and producer, who I think is the same guy, uh, didn't have doesn't have the rights to this. I think it's only he's only allowed to show it. I think if there's a screening that he is at, I believe he has permission to show it. So it's one of those things where if it's coming to the city you live in and it's playing at like a revival house or an art house, it's very much worth going to see. And it's a very in depth documentary it's long but it's a lot of fun and it's neat to you really think about the movies differently there's a lot of scenes from movies like you know blade trinity and things like that where you start to think about the backgrounds of these shots and the buildings that are in them and it's you know you not that wesley snipes is jumping through a a window or something like that uh and it was very good i thought i thought it was a very well-made film but it's it's kind of hard to find you have to seek it out you know so elliot recommends a movie that we can't see and uh, I recommend a film where I say you can, two strange words. You can literally watch instantly right now. Anyway. I want to um, find Elliot's movie. Yeah, sure. It's very good. Um, so I think that's it, guys. Sweet. I think that we've learned a truth Now tonight. it's time to say goodbye. An, An ugly, ugly truth? truth. Hmm. And that's I wish good. it was called Ugly T. Ruth. It was about a woman named Tammy Ruth. Who's really ugly and has to, like, get a... You know, that's her problem. Okay, take it one step further. The snuggly t Ruth. What about the ugly T-R-Uth? Tyrannosaurus Rex Uth. I don't know what Uth means. That's what the viewer has to find out. He's from a, uh, a, uh, a different dimension where Earth is called Uth. <laughs> yeah. Tyrannosaurus Rex Earth is his name. Yeah, but they call him Uth because he's... <laughs> Well, because we're gonna, he's from, from there. The snuggly T.R. Uth. We're going to hash out these. <laughs> he's covered in fur because dinosaurs from that. In that dimension, yeah. yeah. We'll hash out these pun-related <laughs> movie pitches off-air. But until then, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I will continue to be Elliot Kalen long after this is over. Good night. Okay, so what color of fur would he have? Brown. Brown fur? He's like a teddy bear. Oh, man, that's like a competition. You know what I'm talking about, right, Dan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sex competitions. The Sex Olympics. I think they're holding those games in Bangkok this year. Yeah. Oh! 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 Yeah! Elliot, oh, you Sly Fox. Slylock Fox. <laughs> and Max Mouse. <laughs> those two get up into so many scrapes. They it's certainly mainly, do scrape. Mainly, mainly puzzles <laughs> and mazes, though, yeah. Yeah, and find the things. <laughs> I'm not very good at the find of things part. Oh, I man. never can find the things. Good old, <laughs> good old fashioned. That's find rule thing. one. Yeah, first rule of find things: <laughs> is to always be finding things. Oh, that's actually the ABCs of finding <laughs> yeah. things.